It's time to mind your business with me, Jamila Lodge. Tune in to find out how to mind your business with BEDC, special guest entrepreneurs, industry experts, and more. Brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Welcome to Mind Your Business. I am pleased to have you here, Dr. Ernest Peace Jr. Thank you. And Mr. Tyrone McHardy. Yes. And you guys are co-founders of MASS. Yes, we are. Uh, yes, yes. So I am going to give you an opportunity to tell us what MASK is. But before mm-hmm. we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? And I'll start with you, Mr. McHardy. Sure. So uh, thanks again for inviting us and having us here with Mind Your Business. Uh, so... As you said, I'm Tyrone McCarty. Yeah. Uh, I've been working in uh, the field of education for the majority of my life um, uh, and largely in the human services field uh, altogether. And uh, that's pretty much who I am as an individual, I would say. So uh, my work is, I guess, representative of who I am. So I'm someone who like, seeks knowledge and likes uh-huh. to impart knowledge with others. Um, you know, I've... Uh, furthered my education through seeking knowledge. Uh, I think I have uh, done that even with my son. So I'm a father of one. Okay. He's, he's an adult. Um, he um, has himself, uh, I think, gone on a journey of being a seeker of knowledge because he's going through college and got what he's gotten to um, uh, obtain. But um, even apart from being a seeker of knowledge, I, um, in that capacity, I am someone who enjoys uh the internal art so mm. i practice tai chi okay yeah i think it helps with my um, self-care and and work-life balance and so i'm cognizant of um, not only just pursuing one thing mm-hmm. but uh, making sure that i am someone who um, holistically takes mm-hmm. care of himself love that love mm-hmm. that yeah. dr pete yes uh, also thank you for the invitation actually my first degree is actually in business management okay yeah, I graduated from Howard University in 1993 with a bachelor's degree in business administration. Okay, HBC. Uh, <laughs> came back to Bermuda and uh, worked in the Treasury Department at the Bank of Butterfield. Okay. And uh, also did some uh, management accounting uh, with Trimmy Hams when Trimmy Hams was still Trimmy Remember Hams. Remember Trimmy Hams? Way back uh, <laughs> in the uh, mid-90s. Uh, but eventually I kind of had a call to human services and uh, went back to school. I uh, finished my master's, went on, did my doctorate degree in marriage and family counseling, uh, eventually got certified as a family therapist as well as an addiction counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met Tyrone, of course, uh, as well as Fitzy, the other co-partner at yeah. MASC, uh, in the early 2000s when we were working uh, at court services at probation. So all of us have been working sort of in the human services field since the early 2000s, and mm-hmm. uh, we're certainly grateful for the opportunity to actually bring all of our experience uh, and, uh, as well as uh, our passion uh, for mental health into a boutique service uh, for men. So yes, yes, MASS, what do those initials stand for? Actually, it's not an acronym. <laughs> it's not? Well, tell me. It's actually short for masculine. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we're, yes, we're, yes, we're guys yeah. and we're quite simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we always so try to, to overcomplicate things, right? right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, love yeah. it. So okay. it's actually short for masculine, yes. uh, but also it's a play on words. Right. So the first four letters of masculine is M-A-S-C, yes. which make up Mass Bermuda. Uh, but it's also a play on words as relates to M-A-S-K. Right. Which is wearing a mask. mask. Yes. And yes. emotionally, that's what a lot of us do each and every day. We get up in the morning, you know, before we go and face the nine o'clock traffic and drop off our kids to school and go to work. 
we put on this emotional mask. Mm -hmm. And for most men, we've been wearing that mask so long mm -hmm. that we eventually kind of lose touch with who we are. Mm. And so there is a bravado and a sort of a, a outward personification that the world may see. But inside, you know, I'm confused, I'm hurt, yeah. I may be depressed, I may be anxious. Yes. Uh, but I don't know how to talk about those things mm -hmm. or where to go to get some help. And that's what mass does. It helps men or creates an opportunity for men to have a conversation with other men mm -hmm. to be able to unmask. So let me ask you guys this, because I agree with you. I do think that society and people in general have this perception of how a man should be mm -hmm. and how they should react to their surroundings and things, Yes, um, which doesn't always take into consideration what's going on inside, mm -hmm. right? For them to be able to show up externally the way we think that they should be, quote unquote. Yes. Um, how did you determine that there was a demand for that specific service offering? The other thing that they say about men and why I'm asking the question is that because they're expected to be this person, mm -hmm. they don't actively seek out someone mm -hmm. to have a conversation with about what's going on internally, sure, right? Sure. Which means like, yeah, I need it, but I'm not gonna come Right. and get it right mm -hmm. so with the with those kind of conflicting things how did you guys figure out that masks yeah. would work right well i in my estimation i think it was something really in the zeitgeist so there was something where we were hearing terms like toxic masculinity yeah. um, or um, these negative uh, terms uh, to describe masculine or mm -hmm. even manhood yes and um because of those uh, negative connotations, as well as there's, uh, I think, uh, growth in education in terms of what mental health is and, and who can benefit from it. With that combination uh, of events and design, guys, we, uh, I think, had our fingers on the pulse, if you will, and mm -hmm. recognized that, you know, there is an opening. There is a, uh, an awakening of uh, men mm -hmm. who understand that, uh, there's not just one form of masculinity. Yeah. It's not the stereotypical form of masculinity. In fact, uh, being stoic, or outwardly stoic, or, or what have you, is not uh, masculinity per se, but it's actually uh, being able to be self-aware, being able to um, identify what's going on with you and mm -hmm. being able to uh, address it and right. correct it. And so that is the basis or foundation of mask and uh, who we service. Yeah. yeah. You know, another thing that we notice, of course, you know, Ty, myself, and Fitzy, you know, we've been in this field since the early 2000s, and uh, there's a few things that we've noticed. Mm -hmm. One, uh, given our experience in, in the criminal justice system, as well as in education, by and large, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying in every single case, but by and large, most men or young men who find themselves in trouble mm -hmm. usually begin the, the counseling part of their journey after they've already been identified as yes. a problem. Right. When I was working in addiction counseling, most of these men had never seen a social worker or a counselor mm -hmm. until after their addiction had actually flourished and caused them not only pain in their physical life, yeah. but also in their emotional life and in the life of the family. They got a criminal record. Right, right. And now after all these years, finally someone is beginning to talk to them about well, how did this all start in, in the beginning? Yeah. Because they never got the help 
when they were younger. The other thing that we would notice that going into the educational field or to the social work field or the counseling field, men don't usually fill those spaces. Those ah. spaces are predominantly filled by women. Right. Women naturally gravitate towards those industries, including mm. nursing, for example. And so we really, really understood, based on our experience in working with a lot of young men, that if they are going to access services and perhaps may have more productive conversations about changing their life, it will be easier for some of these clients to be able to have that conversation with a male. And okay. there weren't a lot of options right. uh, available for them, either through education or through social work. Hmm. Yeah. So are you finding that, though? Like, are, and I, I, I agree with you. You know what I mean? It's almost like I get in trouble and now someone's telling me you need to go sort yourself out. And right. so they're, they're pushing you or forcing you to do it. You still may not want to do it. True. But once you do it, you're like, I should have done this. A long time a ago. A long time ago. Like, no wonder I was acting like that. No wonder I did these things because I have all this emotional trauma that I haven't been able mm -hmm. to, to deal with. Mm -hmm. So that's one way that I would assume that you get your clientele because you're like mandated to have to go. But how, since starting the business, do you see a change and do you see a willingness for men to actually come and get the support that they need without anyone else saying that they have to do it? It's Absolutely. slow, but yes. Absolutely. It's slow, Absolutely. but yes. The, yes. the stigma is still there. Yeah, yeah. So it is. What a, is that? Who <laughs> so, did this stigma thing? I, I'm not really yeah, sure yeah. what the origins are, but no one would disagree that there is a stigma around mental health in general. Yeah, there is. But when you break it down between the genders, women are more apt or more likely to seek help than men. Yes. And that's the reason why we've created this space. Uh, we haven't seen men come in in droves. Yes. But... We have first of all to get the word out there that yeah. there is a space. Now, we're not the only option. If you want to go into another clinical practice to find help, then please go to another clinical practice mm -hmm. and find help because the help you need, you just need to get it. Right. But if you're not going to get help because you don't have someone to talk to mm -hmm. and you want to be able to talk to another male therapist, mm -hmm. that's the reason why we're here. Mm -hmm. But we started during the pandemic, okay. which from a business point of view was... Which is extremely risky. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and um, Fitzy, of course, is not here. And so he would tell the better story about, you know, how he was able to convince himself and convince us that this was a good idea. But talk therapy requires, you know, this sort of relationship where you're in a room with another trusted individual yes. to talk about some sensitive things. But during COVID, we had like social distancing. We yeah. had lockdowns. Mm -hmm. So we had to sort of introduce this therapeutic model yeah. in the midst of COVID during all of these restrictions. So a lot of that, of course, was, you know, through Zoom yes. and whatnot. Um, so that was a bit of a, a difficult period for us. But people have told us since day one that we're glad that you guys did it because COVID and all of the restrictions and lockdowns did expose the fact that all of us have a lot of stuff that we're dealing with. Yes, we do. And we certainly would benefit from having a place where we can go and talk about it. Now, speaking about um, the delivery of the service, right? Mm -hmm. Typically, like prior to COVID, it's in-person and face-to-face. Mm -hmm. Did you find that being able to provide this service via Zoom, 
was that better for your clients? Better for you? Because I would imagine it's a lot right. to get up yeah. and walk in and you're like, okay, I, forget the stigma. I need this help. I'm going to go get it. Versus I'm at home. I feel safe. Mm-hmm. I can shut my door. Nobody's in here but me. Right. And then if I need to, I can keep my camera off. Yes. yes. You know yes, what I mean? Right. So yeah. how did that kind of dynamic work with, with what you started? I would. Yeah. You, you know, what? one of my first clients was... Uh, primarily uh, online it yeah. was um, telehealth where uh, we were zooming I never met this client actually in person to mm-hmm. be honest mm-hmm. and um, it was beneficial to him because that's how he wanted to engage uh, and I was comfortable with uh, that medium because as I alluded to earlier I work in education yeah so when the pandemic hit and we went to lockdown schools were out we were at home so we had to quickly um, adapt to um, working in a virtual virtual world mm-hmm. and so i was comfortable with that and um my client that's what he um uh, desired um because of his work schedule mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. other needs and it worked well i think and um we saw growth and 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 progress yeah. as a result so i don't think uh being in person or in a virtual um reality um, i don't think it um one is either I don't think one takes away from the other. Right. I think they're both beneficial and um, uh, can be uh, delivered equally for the best results. Yeah. It yeah. gives you options. Right? Yeah, it does, certainly Definitely. does. And we still do some sessions uh, by Zoom. Usually my sessions post-pandemic now with uh, on Zoom have usually been with the adolescent population. Okay. Working with kids who are in school. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're on school suspension. They're home. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have their own transportation... It's just easier for mom and dad to organize the session uh, Mm -hmm. via Zoom. And the kids are used to that now because they've done a lot of the online learning uh, with Zoom. Right. Uh, So I've had some success with it. So let me go back because I know you explained, you know, what you do, but who are you catering to? Like, what's your your, your target market, right? (laughs) Because you mentioned adolescents. Sure. Sure. That's a good question. well, the website says 13, 13. to 113. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, exactly. okay. Exactly. So everybody. For everybody, <laughs> everything. There you go. Okay, So okay. we have clients yeah. younger than 13. Right. Uh, I haven't had a 113-year-old uh, client yet. <laughs> but yeah. uh, as far as we're concerned, um, you know, what, what we're trying to reach the male population, you know. Whether, full stop. Full stop. Yes. Right. And yes. uh, But we do get a number of calls from, from, from wives and girlfriends and moms. They like and what, He needs help. And Somebody help him. Yeah. <laughs> So, and yeah. we can provide ancillary services to the companion. Okay. However, the primary client yeah. has to be him. Right. Mm-hmm. I got you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So, the ancillary services, what does that look like? Right. So, sometimes it's couples. Okay. However, the primary client is still, is still the man. Is still him. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Right. So, if she, if she showed up and said, hey, you know, I we need couples counseling. Then, then it's like, well, hey, listen, you know, we're going to have to talk to him. Yeah. And he's going to have to be the one to actually set up the sessions, initiate those sessions. Right. Uh, going forward. Okay. I love that. So you, you mentioned starting during the pandemic, utilizing yes. Zoom. Is your primary customer physically in Bermuda or do you guys have within your business model to provide support services to men all over the world? Oh, right now it's just local. Yeah, okay. but primarily yes. in person. Uh, we do. We have had clients in the past who have started out with us in person, mm-hmm. or perhaps they're overseas in college or university. Mm-hmm. They, they 
you know, travel abroad. And so we will continue servicing them, uh, but obviously virtually. Uh, but uh, as, as Pete said, that our primary uh, client is done in person, in-house. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. And I know I, I make this whole list of questions, and you like, she didn't ask one of the questions yet. Yeah, she asking us right. all yeah, of these yeah, different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, when it comes, Bermuda's small, right? It is. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. Right? Yes, everyone knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Before I get home, they done told my husband, oh, I saw your wife. She was in St. George's. And yeah. she, why? He yes. know before, you know. So because that's our reality, yes. right? Yes. That yes. we, everybody knows everybody. How does that impact your ability to get people to feel comfortable that oh, when they come right. to see you, yes. that their information, whatever it is that they're sharing, mm -hmm. is safe? Yes. Like, what what does that look like? How do you yeah. navigate that? So we, we have a couple of things that I think that work for us in, in that regard. So the first part is our location. Mm -hmm. We wanted the location to be central, but we also wanted it to be accessible, but not not like right on Reed Street right, or mm -hmm. right on Church Street, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where if you're coming in for counseling, people watching you yes, go yes, in and yes. out. So we're in Hamilton, but we're tucked away on Chancery Lane. Got you. And you don't show up at mask by mistake. You can't accidentally bump into us. Right. You know, if you're at our office, you're literally there on purpose because it takes a little bit of information and guidance to actually find the door. Right. And so where we're located provides you know, a high degree of privacy mm -hmm. and a high degree of confidentiality. We also do no paper. Hmm. Mm. Okay. It's Everything absolutely yes. digital. Yeah. And the client has a client portal where he can access all of his information, schedule his appointments, all those things are all done online, mm -hmm. on a phone, on a computer, on your tablet or desktop. Mm -hmm. And so when you come to the office, um, those that environmental piece has been taken care of okay. to really allow, you know, the individual to say, hey, listen, one, the place is professional, mm -hmm. two, it's trusted and confidential, and there is no paper. So right. nothing slipping through the cracks. Right. Okay. And just to add to that, uh, generally during our intake, we share with the client the confidentiality rights. Yeah, yeah. we have to, yeah. Definitely. And yeah. Um, we even sometimes mention that... Uh, if we see each other in public, mm -hmm. it's you know it's a, they're not obligated to speak or engage. Yeah, uh, but because uh, Bermuda, you know, we're friendly, yeah. we invariably do. Yeah. But uh, those things you don't have to. Uh, you're not obligated to. Um, right, you won't, take it, you won't take it personally. Because you know how we yeah. do. You'd be like, I saw it. she didn't even speak. Well, that's good to know. And I would think also, if you are considering scaling up and providing those services, then it creates an opportunity to yeah. support people outside mm -hmm. of Bermuda, right? Because it's like, well, nobody knows me in Bermuda, right? Right. So right. I don't, yeah, yeah, we can certainly it. explore that. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It does expose a bit of a, an obvious barrier uh, outside of the stigma of going to counseling and, and involving a third party to help you to yeah. find solutions to problems. You know, getting and finding good help is also expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And males who need it the most are sometimes the ones who actually don't have the means to actually afford it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we do take insurance, for example, mm -hmm. but, I mean, how many men are out there that are underemployed? They may be hustling and working, right. but they don't have all the frills and benefits yeah. of a pension and health insurance and whatnot. And when you're looking at your list of priorities, it's like um, mm. mental health. 
Groceries. Groceries, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) food, Um, paying bills, light bill, all that stuff. So it starts going further and further down the list when really it probably should be the top priority. I just got into Jack to say that because uh, if you don't have that... um, uh, equanimity. Yeah, you're going. Those areas in your life will be affected. The, the, the of work, course, they will. The, the ability to generate money. If you're, yes. You're, um, stressed and um, have you know other kinds of issues going on, that would you know impact that area of your life. So yeah, maybe we need to readjust. Out how to readjust. I want to know how we normalize getting care and getting support, right? Especially for men. Right. Mm. And men of color, even worse. Like, mm. you know, black people in general yes, are yeah. like therapy. What's wrong with you? You something's wrong right. with you, right? <laughs> right. No, nothing's yes. wrong with me. I'm trying to make sure yeah. that nothing's sure. wrong with me. So yeah. what are the things that we can do, either as a society or you, um, mm. as black men yourselves, mm. to kind of normalize coming to get support is okay. It's fine. Right. There's nothing right. wrong with that. I think we're doing it now through this podcast. So we're sharing in that aspect and hopefully um, there are men and those who are close to men out there who can share this podcast with them because uh, that's actually you know part of our mission to normalize uh, mental yeah. health services for men, for black men, because as you mentioned, we, we tend to uh, keep our issues to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's be helpful if we actually bring in young people in the uh, field of psychology mm-hmm. so that they can be counselors themselves and mm-hmm. so um, that could be an avenue I mean when we have clients I think really like we're, we're getting the clients that we have because they see themselves in mm-hmm. us and mm-hmm. so if we can uh, which makes sense yes yeah. absolutely so if we can um, uh, galvanize young men to enter this field I think that could be a way of normalizing uh, the profession mm-hmm. You see men in it, yeah. but also for you know for male clients to um, to participate in it. Right. So yeah, and I, I think you know the Western world is making some strides mm-hmm. um, in destigmatizing uh, mental health uh, and making services available at the prevention level, uh, but also trying to increase access as well. So insurance companies, for example, are now more yeah. and more you know making these benefits available to. Uh, those people who are part of their uh, insurance network. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I know companies, are, particularly HR companies, mm-hmm. are, are sort of concerning themselves around wellness, mm-hmm. which is, you know, hey, listen, if I can create a work environment where my workers are healthy, that includes physicality. So a lot of places are now giving their employees uh, predometers yeah. mm-hmm. um, as a way of increasing activity mm-hmm. but a whole part of that wellness is also mental health of course, yes. yeah. and uh, so during the month of november for example mm-hmm. uh we had an opportunity to do a few lunch and learns okay and that is you know just a 10 15 minute presentation you know at your office over lunch invite your male uh employees to come in and we just have a conversation yeah. about mental health mm-hmm. and sort of increasing everyone's awareness mm-hmm. that one, you know, we need to pay attention to our mental health. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, well, if I did have an issue, whether small or even large, mm-hmm. well, what resources are available to me so that I can actually get the help that I need as opposed to potentially engaging in negative coping behaviors? Because yeah. yeah. Bermudians, we have a favorite coping behavior. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> As the holiday yes, season yeah. approaches. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That old faithful coping mechanism 
uh, as fun as it can be, is also wrought with a, a lot of negative issues as well. For sure. And just to add to the topic of normalizing mental health, I, hopefully uh, in the short years to come, you know, mental health is perhaps not viewed separately from the other subsets just of health. health. Just, in, health just health in general. Right? Because, um, mm -hmm. This body cannot work without the mind. That's right. You know, the, the mind, mind is like leaving it. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, it's all health. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah. Maybe that's the first step. It's just health. Yes. Right? Yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not mental, not this, just health. health. We just want you to be right. To be healthy. Um, so you mentioned Fitzgerald Williams, yes. who we had yes. the pleasure of um, meeting because he participated in one of our first mm. men-only events yes. for Global yes. Entrepreneurship Week, which was the next man up. Yeah. And we were talking about this very topic. Yeah. Um, and it was specific to men. And, and so the dynamic within the organization. So we've always had this woman in entrepreneurship day conference that okay. we held annually, right? This was the fifth year that we did today, that, um, this year. And so are the men in the office will be like, well, well, well what about us? So this year we had, um, the panel discussion yes. and one of the topics was health and wellness and Fitzgerald Williams was mm -hmm. able to come and participate. So yes. grateful um, to him for that. Yes. Um, and he's also one of the co-founders of Mass. Mm -hmm. um, what I want to ask you though, is when it comes to work-life balance, yeah. we had a, um, during Global Entrepreneurship Week, we had a gentleman here who presented and he said he doesn't refer to it as work-life balance. Mm -hmm. He just says life balance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Smart man. Yes. So yeah. I wanted yes. to get yes. you, your, your opinion on that. What mm -hmm. do you think about that? Well, the whole question around work-life balance, I think we're dealing with the most obvious of the issues mm -hmm. and that is stress accumulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And acute stress has some very, very damaging effects on the entire person. Fatigue, lack of focus, irritability, mm -hmm. loss of productivity, mm -hmm. uh, damages uh, work life, sorry, work related relationships mm -hmm. can even aggravate a toxic culture environment. And it's just the worst for everyone. So that's the reason why we talk about work life balance. Mm -hmm. Because if you do not take care of your stress accumulation, it's going to affect both your personal life and your work life. Yes. Mm -hmm. However, we're living in a very demanding work environment and mm -hmm. a very demanding economic situation. So people are under an exorbitant amount of stress to keep their bills paid, to keep the mortgage paid, to keep the kids fed and in school, and also try to find time to keep their self happy as well. Right. And that's not really an easy thing to do. And so this work-life balance then becomes a real question. Right. But as your previous guest had indicated, well, you need to have your whole life in balance. Yes. Right and be able to put things in perspective and to engage in what we would call self-care. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where the conversation is probably about is stress accumulation, self-care and wellness. So an easy thing, because this conversation came up yesterday mm -hmm. uh, when I did one of my lunch and learns. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, when is the last time you've taken a lunch hour? I know. Right, right. Well, yeah. so your, your labor has argued for years to get that benefit. Right, yes. and you're not even exercising. <laughs> and you're not even using it. Yeah. 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 You know, it is a lunch break. Yes. You know, so every once in a while, take a break, actually take your lunch, mm -hmm. leave your desk, yes. leave your cubicle, leave the office. Mm -hmm. And for an hour or so, whatever your lunch break is, do something for yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
Because in the end, what happens is the work is still there. And then you become resentful that you're working so hard and not getting the benefit from it. So go take your lunch. Prior to this uh, broadcast, Pete and I were um, joking about uh, work-life balance and how some men uh, uh, consider the work <laughs> to be the uh, how they achieve <laughs> balance. Uh, balance, right? Uh, you Interesting. Know, mm-hmm. More work because they think you know men typically are providers and yeah, and want to get out there and do and do and do. But um, uh, as Pete has pointed out, um, you know, there has to be a balance. So even as that gentleman you spoke to, mm-hmm. life balance. Um, so to be able to um, be, consider you know, all aspects of, of your well-being. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. yeah take we we kind of reward the workaholic in that <laughs> yeah. regard. We do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They seem more productive. They seem more energetic. And they seem, you know, to get the most benefit out of the organization because they're workaholic. But mm-hmm. it does come at a cost. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the workaholic is actually working so hard because they're actually avoiding something somewhere else. Mm. Look at okay. us getting off. Wait a minute, let me pull my chair back. And, and that's, that's where our conversation is going. You know? yeah. If I want to avoid some stressful situation at home, I'm going to be at work all the time. Why not stay a few yeah. hours later at yeah. work? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I do yeah. think that... Um, Culturally, from on a whole, society says if you work hard, you're going to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But the balance is where you have to look at, well, if you're doing working hard, what's suffering yeah. as a result of it? Yes. Yeah. Right? right yeah. And so then I ask the question, or I'm thinking, we should ask, what are we doing it for in the first place? Like, what is the point of mm. working what are you trying to achieve ultimately exactly for your life yes and if it involves any of this over here well mm. you gotta fix it right you gotta try and even it out because you'll be working hard and this will be like okay yes. see you yes. later i gotta yes. go right. because you haven't given me what i needed right, right? Yeah. all the more yeah. important yeah. while your work should be fulfilling and if your work is not fulfilling mm. then your paycheck is not a reward hmm. You know, so one, one of the things that I, I try to do, particularly with um, when we're doing our vocational assessments and we're working yes. with 12th and 11th graders, people who are graduating from high school, school. Yeah. going off to college, they yeah. need to figure out what their career choices are. That is not an easy thing to do. However, one of the prevailing thoughts is, well, what economies and what jobs are paying the most money? And then that's mm-hmm. what we would yes. go and yes. study yes. in college yes, for. Yes, yes, yes. But it doesn't take into consideration my personal interests. It doesn't take into consideration my personality and all the things that really make up me as a real person. Yeah. And what would happen sometimes is I may be making a lot of money, but I'm miserable. Unhappy. I'm unhappy. It's, yeah. I'm out of balance. Yeah. And the paycheck is not a reward anymore. Yeah. And I've seen people all the time, and I've been on a bunch of hiring boards. I've never seen an individual leave a company. I'm seeing an individual leave people. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? We switch jobs. We don't switch industries and stuff like that. We're getting away from people. Right. Looking and exchanging them for another set of people. Of people. Right. Hoping that that set of people, the environment there and my experience there is, is beneficial to me, including mm-hmm. financially. But financially is not the only thing. You know what? You bring up a lot of good points. And I think because our primary 
objective, BDC's primary objective is to support entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so we see entrepreneurs who've gone to law school, who've become doctors, mm-hmm. and have left it all behind to start making body scrubs. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you're like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm sure their family's like, I'm not understanding. Like, yes. we just invested all of this. Mm-hmm. This is what you were supposed to do. But it speaks to what you said. Mm-hmm. That's not fulfilling me. Yes, I can get this big paycheck. I can do all the things. But at the end of the day, I'm not happy. Right. So instead of exchanging this set of people, mm-hmm. they're like, I'm going to create my own set of people, right? Yeah, and right. do the thing that really pours into me and makes me happy and that sort of thing. So I think it's interesting that you say that because I don't know that we encourage our children to do that. Mm -hmm. I can say for sure, if I have a son, I have an 18 year old, Mm -hmm. my husband and I have different opinions about, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) what he's been doing. And and going back to what you said, it's like, where can you go to make the most money to whatever? But I think his logic is that by making the most money, you can now live the type of lifestyle that you want, mm-hmm. right? Because you have access to funds that mm-hmm. will allow you to do that. So forego all of that fulfillment and, you know, what you need to to, um, to feel whole. Forgo all of that for a period of time so you can make the money. Then you can go out and get it. That and is that the st- wrong message? It's a risk. Yeah. It's, hu- it's, a- it's, it's a huge risk. Yeah. You know, ideally, and speaking of the vocational assessments, mm-hmm. ideally you want to um, assess the student's interests and match it against their strengths. Right. And so, um, with your example, the person who opens up and who studied law, they yeah. get up a nail salon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't have to, you know, disregard the law degree because it probably helps in negotiating. I'm deals sure. Yes, 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 yes. And, and contracts and what have you, but um, ultimately. Uh, the goal would be, you know, a strengths-based kind of approach where you're, you know, assessing what is it that they're really um, uh, interested in. What mm-hmm. is the young person where do their strengths lie, and what careers uh, match or align with those same strengths? Let me ask you this, mm-hmm. because I think when you live in a country where there's millions of people and millions of opportunities and all of these different types of yes. jobs. You can be like, yes, lean into that. What do you mm. want to do? You want to draw? Sure. Mm. But in Bermuda, where it's, there is a finite mm. yes. industry so, or yes. a specific career kind of mm-hmm. for those who are not going to be entrepreneurs, yes. how do you how do you uh, tell your child or how do you encourage your child to lean right. into whatever makes them happy when you know Good and well, yeah. if they want to draw, when they come home, nobody's hiring yeah. an artist, so right? You, you certainly pointed out the obvious. And I did indicate in my previous answer that it is a risk. And I understand the risk quite well. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Our economy is not as diverse as, let's say, America or Canada, for right. example. We may have individuals who may be more right-brained and Mm -hmm. may lean towards the arts Mm -hmm. and creativity and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And that's who they are. Yes. And a vocational assessment will will highlight that Mm -hmm. and then help them to narrow down careers within that field. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we know as a mom or dad that that industry in Bermuda doesn't afford the type of economy and jobs Mm -hmm for you to actually live off. Right. And so 
let's be more practical. Yeah. <laughs> and so I get that. I mean, <laughs> even when I was younger, you know, I enjoyed sports. Yeah. And uh, we have recreational sports here. There's no professional sports. Right. There, there isn't a sports person on island who solely makes their money offer their sport right because we don't have professional sports here right so eventually my mom and dad were like hey listen you need to stop focusing on sports and start paying attention to your books Mm -hmm. because they were being more practical Practical. yes yeah Yeah. okay now i have a son now who's 16 right he's pretty decent with the practical stuff of Mm -hmm. the books but he lives in a global world now Mm -hmm. so he wants to play football professionally Mm -hmm. so his whole idea is, well, my real job after graduating from high school, if I had it his way, he would move into the professional ranks. Right. But I know that's a numbers game. Yes. Right. The the likelihood that he gets selected to go pro are like like one in a million. Yeah. But these kids live in a global world. They know people who've done it. Yeah. You know, we li- I, right. Nick, right. yeah, yeah, Nicky yeah. Wells, yeah. his family live in my neighborhood. Yeah, right. <laughs> so my son can't come home and say that it's not possible. Right. right. So we're not talking about possibilities; we're talking about probabilities. Yeah. So our job as mom and dad is to continue to focus on their education mm-hmm. without hindering his passion around football. How you do that? It's very difficult. <laughs> like we're yeah. It is very difficult. It's, <laughs> it's it's a constant negotiation. Oh my gosh! It's a constant negotiation, mm-hmm. but we are successful at it to some degree because we're aware of the dynamic. And so that's right. the key: right. awareness, right? Yes. You know, I think it would be remiss if I didn't add that um, there needs to also be a paradigm shift where we're not educating uh, young people. For just a job. I mean, yes. we're, we're at the BEDC. I would so, agree. You know, we're about 100%. <laughs> we're in a environment where you promote entrepreneurship. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's uh, there is a way to achieve one one's uh, uh, desire or to to pursue their dream, while it's in creative arts and what have you, as well as to be able to make money doing it. Yeah. And that could be through entrepreneurship, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm, you would mm-hmm. know that um, better than me. So. Uh, you know, the paradigm shift mm-hmm. has to, um, I think, occur and be a balance. So, you know, education largely, and I work in education. Mm-hmm. I've been working in education for about 20 years now. And it, the model of education is centered around getting a job. Getting a job. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than raising um, independent, independent thinkers, creativity, problem solvers. Which are the individuals who actually becomes, expand the economy. Yeah, they are. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You are. <laughs> We're trying. We're yeah, trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying. Yeah, Listen, I feel part. like we could be here like all day. I'm sure, in, right? Sure, I'm like, sure. I know I'm not a we man, always, but I'm enjoying this conversation. We can come back for part two. Okay, yeah, I would yeah, love that. Yeah. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity. We've talked a little bit about work life or life balance, as right. Brian would say. Um, but I do want you to share some tips, okay? Because mm. we know that sometimes it's not in balance. Um, I'm guilty of it. We'll just work straight through lunch and not leave early, still Mm -hmm. trying to get it out. So what are some tips or recommendations that you can give to those who are listening um, about how they can consciously bring their life into balance, like on a day-to-day basis? Okay. First of all, I think you have to be intentional and uh, develop a daily practice. 
So I have a daily practice. I'm not suggesting that anyone follow this, but I'm, I can perhaps someone can get some inspiration from it. Mm -hmm. But you know, I wake up early in the morning and um, I engage in prayer and meditation. Then I go out and exercise. This is usually um, just before the sun rises, mm -hmm. and um, it's something about it's something therapeutic about being uh, in nature mm -hmm. uh, before the sun actually rises, and um, you know. Um, Get working the cardio mm -hmm. and, and um, reflecting, and actually even um, setting goals for that day because the day hasn't started for me it's still early in the morning. Right. Um, whatever that daily practice uh, the person chooses to um, uh, implement, I think that's key. Mm -hmm. A daily practice it could be, like I said, um, meditation, exercise, affirmations. Um, I think are helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get bombarded with so many. Um, Negative. Negative stimuli, mm. uh, you know, having a, a mantra or, or some affirm, affirmation that um, grounds the individual. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's it's a healthy way to um, maintain one's um, well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, the only thing I would add to that um, is to just capitalize on your intentionality. Mm -hmm. You know, so one of the things that I found to be helpful in, in my career uh, not just including what we're doing sure. here at Mass, but yeah. in some of the previous uh, places of employment, uh, is uh, two things. One, at the beginning of the week, to write out a list of intentions. Okay. You know, these are the things that I want right. to get done at work this week. So, and actually write it out. Yeah. So I don't have all of this 100 things on my head. Mm. You know, I can't do 100 things. Right. But I can make a list of four things. I can make a list of five things. Mm -hmm. And it helps me to put my work week and all of my to-do things sort of in a priority. Okay. So at the beginning of the week, set out what my intentions are. When I get to the end of the week, I tick off the things that I was able to achieve. Mm -hmm. You know what that does for me psychologically? It makes me feel you like I've, I've done yeah, something. Yeah, you've done something. Yeah. Yeah. And I can prove it. Yeah. Right. That's right. You like yeah. newspaper. As, as, as opposed to being at the end of the week. Well, what did you do this week? Right. Mm. Well, I done everything. Listen. Well, well, what did you really do? Well, I did a little bit of this. I did a little bit of that. I did a little bit of that. You know. Right. You know. So make that list, uh, and at the end of the week, do the achievement uh, piece. But for the work-life balance, I have to put something on there, on my intention, that helps me to fulfill the goal of work-life balance. Interesting. And including, sometimes it could be, take a lunch, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. go for a walk. Put it yes. on the list. Yeah. Right, I yeah. put it on the list. Put it in your calendar. Put right. it on the list. And yeah. men actually like lists. Yeah. You know, I, I've been married now for 25 years. Yes. I hate it when my wife sends me to the store to go get stuff. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Hey, give me the list. Yeah, yeah. Right. But she'd be like, I told, me. She'd be like, I told you. I'm like, yeah. no, don't, don't yeah. tell me. <laughs> give me a list. Right. I'm very task oriented. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Just give me the list. I don't want to be wrong. Yes. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you guys need to have sessions for women because uh, we be trying to figure it out. We're like, what does he want? Why are you listening? Oh, oh, Listen. I'll give you, I'll give you your female uh, ladies a little tid, mm. tidbit on communicating with the men in their life. Don't ever start with the question, how do you feel? Okay. Men are unable to go from zero to feelings. 
Women can do that at a drop of a dime. Yeah. Because you're in tune with your emotional self. Right. Not only are you in tune with it, you've been in tune with it for years, and you've got the vocabulary to go along with it. Yeah. Men are not built like that. Mm. If you want to find out how the man really feels, you don't ask him how he feels right away. What do you do? You're, you're going in too fast, yeah. and you're going yeah. too deep. Yeah. Ask him what he thinks. Mm, semantics, yeah. right? Because no, it means the same no, to no, me. No, it's not Even if it does, semantics. it doesn't mean the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ask me what I think yeah. or ask me what my opinion is. Mm-hmm. Through that conversation, if you stay with it, eventually we'll get to how, how I feel. Feels. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. And I'm serious about this com- this yeah, um, yeah. thing for women. Yeah. It'd be like, so, yeah. ladies, <laughs> yeah. you want to get better results out of your significant other. Yeah. Um, do this because I, hmm? you know, yeah. they what did they say? Men are from Mars, women are for, from Venus. Yes, yes. I mean, it's I, a little yeah. truth to that. Yeah. yeah, it's a little yeah. truth to it, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Like mm-hmm. the way we communicate makes yes. a difference. Definitely. Feel and think. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you know, it ties into we had mentioned it earlier about how you know you can't separate the mind from the body. Yes, women particularly are more in tune with the bodies because a lot of things. Happening yeah. with your body, so, yeah. so you're you're able to um, quickly point out, oh, this is happening in my body. Um, this is why I'm feeling this way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is what I need to do uh, because you have that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, men particularly don't have that connection with the body. It's like I could, mm-hmm. you know, I had a mini health crisis earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I, so ch- I, I was. Uh, sensing some changes, I even looking visually in the mirror, I'm saying, okay, some changes are occurring, but I really wasn't obvious to me that, you know, there's something wrong with you. Right, health. right. Um, too much, too, too later on, obviously. But um, I think, uh, like I said, because uh, women have that um, innate connection with the bodies because of um, the, the nature yeah. of it, um, I think equips you to be more to have a higher level of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. One thing what we do at MASK is we, tr- we uh, teach our clients, who are all male, how to develop and foster this emotional intelligence, yeah, how to get beyond the, um, I feel angry, happy, sad. You know, there are secondary and tertiary yes. level emotions. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, try and develop that. And it's all about education. I mean, um, as I said, I'm an educator in, in counseling it is, uh, it does lend itself to educating mm-hmm. uh, clients. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's important that uh, mm-hmm. we, we develop our emotional intelligence. Yep. I yeah. agree 100%. Yeah. Listen, you might have yeah. a client. My husband's gonna be like, where am I going? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Listen, yeah. um, this, I, I've enjoyed our conversation Thank you. today. Thank you. Thanks. Thank I you. would love for you to give us an, how do people find you? What's your website? How do yeah, they contact sure. you? Yeah, the yeah. easiest way to reach us is either online at uh, massbda.com. Okay. Or you can find us on LinkedIn or on Instagram. Okay. All right. Yes. Well, gentlemen, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for sharing some tips. Write it down, okay? <laughs> and go. put the lunch on the list. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> if you want to find out how a man feels, <laughs> ask him what he As, thinks. Yes, what yeah. do you think? Yeah. I'm going to try that tonight. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Listen, thank you so much again, gentlemen. And we always end our show with, if you don't mind your business, who will? Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Mind Your Business with me, your host, Jamila Lodge. 
Tune in next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. Because if you don't mind your business, who will? Mind Your Business is brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here.